you can only post on Instagram 12 times in a year. Like you would think I had lost my mind. You would literally 12 times. What on earth is that going to do? 12 posts in an entire year. Well, that's how many emails you send if you email once a month. It's the Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Well, hello, Passion Maker. This is Miriam Shulman, curator of inspiration, and you're listening to episode number 168 of the Inspiration Place podcast. I am so grateful that you're here. Today, we're talking all about why you should stop chasing social media followers and work on what will serve you best in the long term to sell more art. So in this episode, you'll discover why social media is not a business plan, why an email list is critical for your long-term success, and easy ways to get started building your list today. Today's guest is a leading marketing influencer in the UK, ranked number five in Market Live's top 30 marketers that inspire in 2021. She's the host of the popular weekly podcast, Marketing That Converts, and founder of Marketing That Converts the Academy, where she works with businesses, entrepreneurs, and marketers to help them enhance their digital marketing and social media efforts. She shared her social media and digital marketing strategies on international stages, including World Marketing Summit, Inbound 2020. These are all like pre-COVID, obviously. 3XE and Social Day. Please welcome to the Inspiration Place, Teresa Heath-Waring. Hello, and thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, this is so much fun. I told Jen Lehner that we met, and she's like, oh, yeah, she's the British Amy Porterfield. (laughs) (laughs) That's what she calls me. It was so funny. Like the first time we met, she christened me that. But what was more funny was the next year we went to Social Media Marketing World, and someone shouted, hey, British Amy Porterfield. I turned around, and it was Jen. And she was like, oh, my God, you just turned around. I was like, oh my God, this is awful. Yeah, so funny. So funny. That's hilarious. Bless her. Bless her. Hilarious. I've never said to Amy that I was christened that. (laughs) I think I'll keep that to myself. That's hysterical. She's like, I don't think we can be friends anymore, Teresa. I'm such a fangirl. Yeah, she's a. She wrote to me, and I was trying to explain something that she wrote to me. They were like, yeah, you're on her email list. What are you talking about? I was like, no, 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 she wrote to me. No, you know, no, I was like, properly. Right. <laughs> like I saved the email. My daughter oh, was like making fun it. of me. So I have a funny story before we get started. So yesterday I was like getting my podcast files all organized and I was like, mm-hmm. there was nothing in your folder. I was like, I know I recorded it. Did I delete it? What the <laughs> heck happened? And then it took me a hot <laughs> minute before I realized we hadn't recorded it yet. I was thinking about... I was on your podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is brilliant. I was like, Where the heck? Where is it? I lost so it. So funny. Having a panic that you'd lost it and we hadn't even done it. Right. It's my fear, you know, that that thing will happen. I know. It is one of those things. I don't know if I told you, I did once do an interview and I didn't hit record. 
And I got about five, seven minutes in and I realized and I hit record. And then the interview was so awful anyway, it never went out. Oh. I don't know. I don't know if I made it awful because I was like, oh my God, I haven't hit record. But I did kind of come back round to actually we could start at this point type thing. And it never, it's the only podcast episode I've never put out because wow. it was just awful. Okay. So I'm real excited about today's topic. I don't have a really good transition here. I wish I was that girl <laughs> who could like, you know, with emails, you know, she's talking no. about the tuna sandwich and suddenly... And then and, slides into right, the... and that's yeah. why I'm promoting B-School, you know? It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, they have very good copywriters, I'd swear. That is not like... Someone is naturally very good at that stuff, but I'm the same as you. My podcast, me, goes out exactly as you find me. I would love to think that I was slicker, but I really, I'm not. Yeah, I know. Me too. I don't mean, I know you're not slick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're terrible. <laughs> Yeah, you really suck. Yeah. <laughs> so Teresa actually has an amazing podcast. I've listened to a few of her episodes and I really like what she has to say about email marketing. And it's something that I still haven't converted all of you over. I know, I know that's true because I'm always hearing how do I increase my Instagram following instead? Or how do yeah. I sell more art on Instagram? Teresa, I think you have some stats about why we shouldn't rely on those. There's so many reasons for starters. So the first one is you are marketing on borrowed ground. This does not belong to you. You know, or you may or may not know that when you post, the people who organically see your stuff is down to like one to 3% if you're lucky of your followers. That reach is getting harder and harder and harder. Now, I'm so careful when I talk about this because I think people are just like, oh, why are we bothering? Like, what is the point? And there is totally a point in doing it. But the truth is we don't own that following. It doesn't belong to us. And we have a, as I always say, a great story. It's not a great story. It's a terrible story. But one of my old students, she had an Instagram account and she had a membership. She built up a membership. It was an art membership, actually. She was teaching parents how to do art with their children. And it was lovely. And her content, could you imagine like the posts and the videos and the stories? She put so much effort into it and it was great. And she had built up her followings to hundreds of thousands. Like it was a huge Instagram account. And she contacted me and said, Teresa, my account's gone. Someone has hacked it and wiped the entire thing. And they had literally wiped her Instagram. So she'd lost everything. So awful. And the thing she'd contacted Instagram, unless you're Kylie Jenner or one of the Kardashians, I don't think for one second they're going to give you a second thought. Do you know what I mean? Like, so she had lost everything overnight. She'd lost her followers. She'd lost all that content, which you know what it's like creating content and doing all the stories and all the memories that you put into it. But more importantly, she lost the connection to her audience. Mm. And she had started a list. It wasn't that she had no list. But her list was nowhere near as big as it could have been and as big compared to the number of people that followed her because she was doing her sales through Instagram because so much of it was happening on the platform. And she literally had to start from scratch. And the few people that were on her list, and I say few, it was obviously thousands compared to the hundreds of thousands that were on her Instagram. She was able to email them saying, this is what's happened. I've set up a new page. Can you come and follow me? But all those other Instagram followers, all those other people that connected with her only through that platform, she had lost them. 
We have been really lucky. I started marketing like 16, 17 years ago. Like social did not exist. Like it wasn't even a thought back then. And we're really lucky now as business owners that we can, you know, an artist that we can put our stuff out there and it doesn't cost anything or doesn't have to cost anything. And we can connect with audience. We can connect with people that want to see our stuff and maybe want to buy our stuff. And we really take advantage of that, which is great. And we should do. However, it's just one means of getting out there. Like with anything, you should never put all your eggs in one basket. It should always be a mix of things. But for me, the email list is one of the biggest and best assets you're ever going to have in your in your business. There's so many things I want to unpack. I'm trying so hard not to do the New York interrupt. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you can interrupt me. That's yeah, fine. I, I'm, That's I'm fine. Jewish. So culture, like our culture, we were always interrupting each other all the time. That's brilliant. Uh, and New Yorkers as well. It's like we got those both things going on. So for, <laughs> first of all, there is that tendency, and, and this happens actually to all of us. I think, Teresa, you and I are probably guilty of this as well. I know I am that I've been so dependent on. So what I was going to say is we get dependent on a strategy that works really mm-hmm. well. And we think it's always going to work well until it doesn't. And then, yes. ouch. In my past, that was eBay for a long time. I'm a dinosaur in the online world. When I was on eBay, there was no Instagram. There was no Facebook. Yeah, There was no... Twitter, Snap, whatever, all those things, TikTok, there wasn't yeah. any of it. The only <laughs> thing people could do with their computers was shop. And there weren't yeah. very many websites. So eBay was it. So a lot mm. of artists, we would just put our art up and it would sell like that all mm. the time. And we didn't, I didn't build an email list out of all those people. And so when Amazon came around, when Etsy came around and the strategies mm. we were using was, wasn't working so well, I was like, Damn, why didn't I have an email start an email list sooner? Yeah. And that happens over and over again. And just when you think that, no, I'm good. I figured out this Instagram selling thing. And then Instagram and Facebook disappeared one day. Yeah. You know, that it, it happened. Like six hours, wasn't it? It was like six to eight hours. And again, we were all like, what's happened to the world? How ridiculous that we were all like, we don't know what to do anymore because we've lost Instagram and Facebook. Right. And, but, and it came back, but it may not have. Like, there's lots of things that could have happened yeah. there. You know, Russia finally hacks or yeah. the government <laughs> shuts it down or Mark Zuckerberg, yeah. whatever, you know, he implodes. Yeah. Who knows? You don't know what's going to happen. No. no, you don't. Like, all, it all these things we're going to be, we're going to be recording before the podcast. This podcast was recorded before Mark Zuckerberg, you know, (laughs) imploded and took down Instagram and Facebook. Exactly. But but the thing is, the truth is you just don't know. And it could be as simple as someone hacking you and deleting everything. It could be as simple as you breaking a term and condition and them either pausing your account or taking your account down. And you know what? This happens more than you would ever imagine. Like. How many times? I I have a client who told me her Instagram account was shut down after she posted a painting of a bird. Like, and there's no help desk to contact if you've no nothing. So you have to do some kind of automated you're wrong type thing and hope to goodness that they look at it and then they'll go, Oh, yes, sorry, we're wrong. And they'll put it back up again. But you artists out there, some of the stuff that you could be doing, it might be that. It's a really beautiful picture, but it's 
someone with some clothes off or, you know, it could be things that they just take the wrong way or they think mean something else. For that reason, you don't want that, you know, you being censored or you don't want thinking, well, my best art features this and I can't put that up because you don't know what they're going to do with your account. So you're absolutely right. It was a bird. Like how on earth could that be construed any other way than it was? But they did it. So you just can't rely on it. And I think you just said something really good as well about you see a strategy that works. And I see this a lot in other people's when they see an expert. Okay. So the artist following you might see what you're doing and think, oh, that's the only way I can do it. Or that's the way I should do it. Because this artist has gone on TikTok and now they're killing it and selling loads. So I must be on TikTok. Or this artist was awesome on Instagram because they did reels. And now that must be my strategy. No, that worked for them. Now, I'm not saying it won't work for you. It might work for you. But just because someone's art blew up overnight because they did this one thing does not mean that that's the golden ticket to you then suddenly blowing up overnight. And I think that's a worry when we see other things and then we think, oh, we've got to go all in on this. So we ignore some of the basic stuff. No one is ever going, hey, I blew up because I built my email list. You know what I mean? Well, that's the other thing is that it's that very nerdy term that correlation is not the same thing as causation, which I I don't know why I'm using that term because I don't think it means much to most people who are listening. (laughs) But it's the whole idea that just because you see they're doing something and they're successful doesn't mean that's the reason. It could Mm. be something completely different. Again, this is such a key point. I had someone, one of my members contacted me going, oh my goodness, are you watching this webinar? There was a webinar on. And I said, he he knew I would be. I do it because I'm sad and I've got nothing better to do. And I just watch webinars and see how people do stuff. And he was like, you know, are you watching it? And he said, this person whose webinar it was has just said that they sold all this stuff. They sold like, you know, 50 grams worth of stuff and they only have 125 people on their email list. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I don't need an email list or a big one. And I was like, but they've told you nothing else. They've not told you whether that person happens to have a huge Facebook group or whether that person happens to have a podcast, whether that person has a different audience somewhere else or how much the actual thing was that they sold. Because it could be that what they sell is worth $30,000 and they only had to sell it to like five people. They're not giving you the whole picture. The truth is, I wish it was as simple as just saying, actually, if you could kill it on Instagram or TikTok, you would be made overnight. But it's not. It's a mix of everything. And having those eggs spread around and really investing in the email list, which will always belong to you, I think is absolutely a necessity in in running a business. There's one thing you said on your podcast that I've been quoting. So on Instagram, you had said earlier that only 1% see... Mm what you're posting. And and just to put some numbers on that, so I have a, a roughly 20,000 followers on Instagram. So that means less than 200 people are seeing yeah. it. Okay. Now, what you say is that an email, so my, my followers, my 20,000, mm-hmm. they weren't given the choice whether or not to consume that post. Yes. Instagram made the decision for them, oh, I'm yes. only going to show it to this 200. And mm-hmm. email... I know you get this pushback as well. Email, not everybody opens your email, maybe 20 to 40%. Mm -hmm. But the difference is, and this is all Teresa, the difference is those people had the choice of whether or not to open it. Instagram didn't make the choice for them. Yeah. They decide. They're their own algorithm. You know, 
there's the algorithm on the site that decides whether you're seeing or not. And it's powerful. Like, again, I've got this story that isn't a great story, but it just highlights how powerful it is. I had a friend a while back who we kind of lost touch and I wasn't seeing her stuff anymore. And it it never really occurred to me I wasn't seeing her stuff until I saw something of someone else's and found out she was dying. And I didn't know. And she'd gone through this huge illness, which she had documented on her social media. But because I hadn't interacted in some stuff, it just didn't come up in my feed. And then once I went and looked at it and I was like, how on earth could I have not known that this woman was so ill? And a friend, you know, from a while back, but still a friend, I didn't know because it didn't show me. And that's the kind of truth. It, it decides what you see. Whereas when, when you're looking through your email list, and the other thing that's interesting is people say to me, you know, I get scared about how often I email. There are some people that email me every single day and I still don't unsubscribe. I decide some days whether I'm interested and want to open the email, but at least I see the subject and I kind of get an idea of, well, do I want to see this or don't I? But it's all my choice. It's my choice whether I see it. It's my choice whether I interact with it and read it and look at it and click on the link and that sort of thing. And therefore, you can kind of control that to a degree. You can control that you put something in someone's in someone's face when they need to see it. Like again, I don't know about you, but how many times have you been in a launch or you've been doing something and then that launch is finished? And then suddenly, two weeks later, someone comments on that post and they're like, oh, when's this? And you're like, well, that was gone. Because again, the way the algorithm works is if someone interacts with the post, it puts it back into the feed or it puts it back up into people's attentions. So the algorithm doesn't work on time. Obviously, the more people interact with it quickly, the more people are likely to see it then. But again, a great example was I had seen some friend commenting on someone's post and I went to her page. I thought, gosh, I haven't seen you for a long time. And she must have done the same to me because she liked my wedding picture, which was of like two, three years previous. And then because she liked it, it obviously got thrown back into people's feeds. And suddenly all these people started liking my wedding picture, which had been on my profile for years. So that's the problem with that sort of thing as well. Whereas at least if you've got an email in someone's inbox going, this is time critical now, then it's pretty much effective from that time critical point of view. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about email frequency because that's the other thing I get pushed back mm. from for the artists that I coach and they, they want to send an email once a month mm. or twice a month. And I'm like, you know, you can't send one every week. And they'll yeah. say, I don't want to bother Bother people. them. Oh, I love this question. So what if I turned around to you? So you sat there listening to this and I say to you now, you can only post on Instagram 12 times in a year. Like you would think I had lost my mind, wouldn't you? You would literally 12 times. What on earth is that going to do? 12 posts in an entire year. Well, that's how many emails you send if you email once a month. I love that, Teresa. I love that because nobody ever thinks when they post on Instagram that they're bothering people. No, they don't. And the funny thing is, some people on social media didn't opt in to see your stuff. Like sometimes you see things because someone else has shared it or because it just happens to throw up in your feed for whatever reason. However, I've opted in. I have actually said, yes, I want to receive your emails. But if you're only emailing once a month, like I said, 12 emails an entire year. And the other thing is emails aren't like what they used to be. So again, back in the day when I started marketing, emails were like very much on your desktop. They were also often only work. People didn't have personal emails. That wasn't really a thing. We didn't use emails. Now they're on your phone 
They're another media. They're another way in which you connect with people or you have conversations or you keep up to date. So once a month is lost, you are completely lost. Like I said, the same example as if you only posted once a month. For me, what's more important is why do I want to open your email? My friend, my very, very dear friend, he owns a gallery, really nice art gallery. He has some amazing artists in there and it's stunning, the stuff. Now, some of the stuff is absolutely not for me. Some of it is definitely out of my price range. However, I don't ever mind opening his email because I know I'm going to see something pretty or I'm going to see what he's been up to or he's going to teach me something that I didn't know. So it's more about why do they want to read your email and what are you going to give them? What other kind of interest or added value or education are you going to give them? Now, for you guys, I'd imagine that when I think about the kind of, I've got a friend who's an artist as well, and he has often put up these like time-lapse videos of him drawing. He's an amazing portrait, like faces are phenomenal. And in fact, now he's gone into tattoos and he and they are just crazy amazing. But he'll do these like time-lapse videos of him drawing. He'll do befores and afters. And again, I'm not his customer. However, I find it fascinating. So if you were sending me a email once a week and that email was like, guess what's this going to be? Like, I've just started. What do you think it's going to be? Or it was a, you know, this was my inspiration or this was the story behind this one. If you're telling me stuff that I'm interested in, then I'm going to want to receive your email. And if I don't and I unsubscribe, that's fine. They are not going to be a collector of yours. They are not going to be a fan of yours. Well, and sometimes they are though, because I've had friends who've collected my art unsubscribe and they still collect my art. That's why you can't make it mean anything. You can't make it mean that they just don't want the email. Yeah. That's it. They might choose that another method is better for them or the way you deliver it or the things you put in it. But like you said, you're absolutely right. You can't make it mean anything. I used to, and I remember when I first started my email list, I used to check unsubscribes. And if I knew them, I'd be like, oh my goodness, why have they done that? And I'd be heartbroken or be like, I need to contact them and find out why they've not subscribed anymore. It's of no interest to me now. If they unsubscribe, they unsubscribe. If they want to opt in later on, they'll opt in later on. But you've just got to show up and you've just got to keep showing up regardless, whether they are paying much attention or not. Because one day you're going to email them and you're going to email them on your once a week thing. And it is just going to be the right email on the right day with the right thing. And suddenly, brilliant, you've just solved this problem for me. I want to buy that piece of art. Or I've been waiting for something like this to come along. But if you don't, and the other thing is often when people email once a month, they shove everything into an email. Like literally it's the longest thing ever. And all that says is you could have done all these other emails as time goes along without having to keep it all for one email, which if they don't open that email, you've got no hope in hell. You know, at least if you've done an email every week and they open one in three, they're releasing some of the content. Whereas if you're leaving it for the end of the month and they don't open that, then you've lost your chance. And and people don't want newsletters anymore. I mean, that is so 1990s where we would have like the different columns and the different sections. And here's my art class. Here's my art show. Here's the print for sale, you know, all. And it takes a lot of work to put that together. And people don't really want to read that. It should be like an Instagram post, basically. One image, one message, one call to action. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like to say with much affection that people online are a little bit lazy and a little bit stupid. 
And therefore, if you give them like 30 things to look at and click on, what do you want me to do? You need to be really obvious telling me what you would like me to do. Like you said, perfect. I send an email three times a week. So I send one on a Monday, Wednesday, and a Friday. Every day that I send one, it has a very specific conversation and it has a very specific call to action. And that call to action isn't always selling or promoting. In fact, it's not very often doing that because I have a close and open cart thing. So I don't, but it might be, you know, reply and tell me this, or it might be, oh, I talked about this and and it just happened to be on the podcast episode. So go and click over there. It might be, I saw this thing and it's really cool. Click and have a look there. So you want a call to action. You want them to do something because those clicks are really important because the more you can get them to click as you're emailing them normally, I say normally, in a non-salesy way, the more likely they are to click when it comes to a sales email. And again, you know, perfect point. Let's say you're doing an art show or you're selling off old stock or whatever it is. And suddenly you really want to hit that email list. If you're only emailing once a month, you're going to go from emailing me once a month to emailing me five times in a week. I'm going to unsubscribe because as long as we understand your expectations, as long as I understand and you tell me when I subscribe and opt in that, Hey, I'm going to email you once a week. I'm going to share this, 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 this. Fine. I understand that. If once a week is too much for me, then I'll unsubscribe. But at least I understand. Whereas when you go into that sales mode or into that event mode or into that thing where you want to communicate more, suddenly you are literally like, you know, here's a sweet, here's a sweet, here's a sweet. And then suddenly it's like whoosh, like fire hose coming your way. And we won't like it. By the way, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free masterclass, How to Sell More Art Without Being Insta Famous. During this free masterclass, you'll learn why your success isn't measured by your social media following, how to ditch unnecessary social media platforms, the five P's of profiting from your art and inspiring stories of artists who have built a sustainable income from their art. You'll learn how they did it too and so much more. To choose your showtime, go to shulmanart.com forward slash sell more art. So let's talk about some easy ways people can get started building their email list or adding to their email list for those who have already drank our Kool-Aid. The thing that we need to do, no one is going to wake up one morning and go, I wonder if that person that I don't really know about or I met saw on Instagram once has got an email list. I know I'm going to search them out and go and opt in. No one does that. And I'd love that they did, but they don't. So we need to give them a reason. People tend to only think about them and what's in it for them a lot of the time. And that's fine because we're all very busy and we've got stuff to do. So you do need to give them a reason to opt in. Even if that reason is telling them what you're going to email them about or why your email's different or what's funny or cool. So let's say if you've got collectors of your art and your art is a certain style, Like you might do an email that every week or once a week or whatever, you share a piece of art that they might like that went for some crazy amount of money or that's different or that's funny or, you know, so you could share stuff like that that says, or if you're interested in seeing where I'm going to exhibit, I'll share that with you. So the very least you need to think about why do they need to get on that list? Like, what is it for them? Because I know it's for us because we ultimately want to build our audience. However, they're not going to do it if they think it's just for us to sell to them. Yeah, I love that you said that the reason could be as simple as that, because that's actually what I tell people. The easiest place to start is to Mm. invite them 
Mm. to join so that you could, well, the way I would put it is you ask them to join so that you can invite them to your next show. It can be as simple as that. And when you do it, when you come from that energy that you are asking them so that you won't exclude them in the future. Yeah. You understand how you should be asking everybody you know, because why would you leave out your friends from an invitation like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I saw earlier, I was, I'm having a new brand and website done and I was chatting to my web developer and he, we were looking at other people's websites and I saw that Jenna Kutcher on her website says, should we become pen pals? I really like that familiarity, that personal side of it, that kind of conversational side. I really like that. Whereas, like you said, the word newsletter implies awful and it implies I'm telling you about me, which Sometimes if I do tell people about me. I do say, you know, this is what I've done this week or this is this thing happened to me or but it's it's from a learning point of view, never from a I'm sure you lot are all sat there thinking, what's Teresa done this week? Here we go. We don't want to know about other people's news. We want to know things that help us. So so like I said, the very first, the most simplest thing you can do is work out what you give people and why your email is great, and then say, come and join for that reason. And then the other thing that I teach and we talk about a lot is lead magnets. And often people can, lead magnets are sometimes better in other scenarios. So when you're in the kind of education industry, i.e. I teach you what's in my brain, it's really easy to do a lead magnet. Like there are millions of things that everyone can do. You know, here are the five ways you do this, or here's the secret path to this, or here's a checklist of this. So that can be very easy. So often when you are not in that kind of knowledge industry, you can think, well, lead magnets are really hard for me to do. Teresa, lead magnet, I don't think that's a term that I use a lot on this show. So let's okay. make sure we define it for those who, who may not be familiar. Absolutely. So basically what a lead magnet is, is something that you are giving away for free. Don't panic. I'm not talking your art here. That your audience, that a collector would want that you take their email address for. So as Miriam's already said, it could be as simple as you want to know when my next exhibit, show, whatever it is, get on the list. Your collector might want to know that. Normally, like I said, in a knowledge industry, in a kind of education space, it's super easy because you're just giving them some free education. People find it a bit more difficult when it's in a product space. And I can imagine some of you out there might be sat there thinking, well, how does this work for me? I don't want you to completely dismiss the education piece. I don't want you to dismiss, okay, I can't do an education piece because I sell a product or I sell my art. For instance, the gallery owner, he did a lead magnet that talked about five ways to be confident when buying art or kind of some of the myths about buying art that maybe a complete novice here might think, well, every art goes up in price and that sort of thing. So you can educate me from a kind of roundabout way. If you do bespoke pieces, if you are an artist that will create something for someone, then you might do an education lead magnet that talks about the 10 things that ask your bespoke artist or whatever it is. So you don't dismiss that. But then other things can be things like, and I know this might, some of you might be like, I don't think so, but things like competitions can work really well. Now, you might want to decide what that competition looks like. It might be that you have some prints that were done and that you could give as prizes. I'm not suggesting you give them a very expensive piece of art as a a prize. (laughs) 
you know, but you could do Not something like Not even a cheap prints. piece of art that's original. No, only no nothing original. Yeah. yeah, or like postcards or something like that. So, you know, you could do something like that. And a competition is nice because now you're always going to get some serial competition enterers, but they've at least got to like what you're doing in order to enter the competition. Yeah, one of my best giveaways, in fact, it worked a little bit too well, was that I gave a postcard to everyone who gave me my email during a certain what? amount of time. But those email subscribers, everybody was getting the postcard, but they were very valuable because somebody who's willing to give up not only their email address, but their mailing address yeah. is serious. Yeah. And the prize yeah. that they're getting really is a four by six image of your art. So it's something that's in alignment with mm-hmm. what they're ultimately getting. So you always want to think that what you are offering is going to be something like you said, either they need to know, like educational mm-hmm. space, and they need to know before they purchase your art, or something that gives them a taste before yeah. they get your art. So you think about the bakery, how they put out the little little sample. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, this, and you so might that want you a can piece try of cake. it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And things like offers can work quite well as well. But again, you know, offers in the original art space are not probably something I would suggest you do because you don't want to devalue yourself. And sometimes a competition or an offer can feel like it's going to devalue you. It could be that you get them to opt in to have a call or answer an email questionnaire about, you know, and that might be a nice one, like a quiz. People love quizzes, especially when it shows them something about them. So what kind of collector are you? You know, and it could be a fun quiz. It doesn't even have to be a serious quiz. It could be a kind of you know, well, you're a collector that just wants to buy every piece or you're a collector that spends months thinking about the piece to get. Like it could be just a fun personality quiz that someone does. But basically anything that gets them to give you their email address. And like I said, it kind of has to be good because people often think, and especially in the in the knowledge space that, well, if I'm giving it for free, you know, I don't want to give them the good stuff and and they're not paying for it. So it's not like they're investing but you're investing in my time. So I'm not going to opt in for something that's like a three-hour webinar or a 20-part video series because I'm like, I don't know you yet. I want something really quick and simple. So again, even things like, how do you know if this is going to go in your room? Like, I'm sure there's technology where you can upload a picture and superimpose it there and they could opt into that. So it's just basically anything where they have to opt in to get it, but you need to be purposeful. You can't just think. I can put a sign in thing or a sign up to my newsletter at the bottom of your website, which they normally are. And it's like they whisper, they're like, oh, oh, by the way, if you happen to see this, you could always sign in. And it's like, no, no, you need to make them really, really obvious. Yeah. One more idea before we move off of this. One of my clients, Susan Cohn, she had an exhibition at the LA Art Show. What she did is, a, you call it a competition. I guess it's like mm-hmm. the British way of saying giveaway. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like biscuit and cookie. Yes, very different. <laughs> right. Okay. By the way, I got into an argument once with somebody who like, Jim Dale did not, does not read Harry Potter. It's Stephen something something, whatever his name was. I was like, oh yeah, I guess yeah, there's a different... Stephen Fry. Right. There's a different reader of the audiobooks for Harry Potter in England so than there is funny. in the US. Anyway, so Susan Cohn, her, her giveaway was that she had everybody enter to win a studio visit, which was Lovely. super smart because then the winner would come to studio visit and they oh. turn into collectors. And then she's like, you know, I think I need to make more winners because everyone who's coming through, yeah. this has been really successful. But that was a great way that she came up with of building mm. her email list of people. 
again, like it could be, you know, that they win an afternoon tea with you. That would be a very yes. British thing to do. You know, it could be that they win some of your time or that you, you know, do a, like I said, you do something very small, bespoke just for them that no one else could have. If you are, especially if you're a big artist and you have a good following, then they're going to want to, like, could you imagine saying you could have afternoon tea with Van Gogh? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that's just crazy. No one could even think of that. So, so that sort of thing could work really, really well. And, and those offers, those competitions, that's a brilliant one. That was a great idea from her. Yeah, I love that she did that. Okay, so we're about to wrap up. And Teresa, I know that you have, speaking of a little little freebie, for my yeah. listeners. <laughs> now, this is practicing what you preach, okay? So one of the other things that you could do is when you get interviewed by someone or have something that like builds on the conversation. So obviously we've talked about emails and list building and I have a download, which are the five steps of how to start your email list and the kind of key things you need to go through. So obviously it makes perfect sense for me to show you in action how this looks. So if you want to go to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash start your email, then you will find my lead magnet there. I'm very honest. I do this all the time. I'll go somewhere and go, this is me doing this to you right now. <laughs> like This is how you do it. You know, there's no point trying to pretend otherwise, is there? No, you have to practice what you preach too. Exactly. Exactly. TeresaHeathWearing.com. Start your email. Start your email. I will have the link to that in all the places where you can find Teresa in my show notes, shulmanart.com forward slash 168. So if you're listening in your podcast app, you just click on the 168. It'll take you right to my website and you'll get all of those. By the way, if you liked what we talked about today, you have to check out my free masterclass, How to Sell More Art and Escape the Social Media Grind. Go to shulmanart.com forward slash sell more art. Alrighty, Teresa, do you have any last words for my listeners before we call this podcast complete? Start today. Don't overthink it. Just start today. Oh, and one more thing. When you start, email them. Your people don't know that there's only five of them on your list. They just know they're on your list. So don't wait till you've got 500 people to start emailing them. If you start a list, whether you've got five people or 50, email them from day one. Hallelujah. Thank you for saying that. Because I no have worries. so many artists who are like, yeah, I'm still building it. I have yeah, it's not very start big. using it. Yeah. <laughs> By the time you actually email them, the people who are on the list at the very beginning, they're going to be like, who, who are she? you? Right. Like, why did I sign up for this thing? Or how did you get my email? Always start from day one. Always. All right. This has been brilliant. All right. Thank you, everyone, for being with me here today. You don't want to miss our show. So make sure you hit that plus sign in the podcast app. If it's not iTunes, I think it's a follow button. If you're feeling extra generous, leave a review since that helps other artists find the show. All right, friend. Thank you so much for being with me here today. I'll see you same time, same place next week. Stay inspired. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course on shulmanart.com. 